Hey mama, are you wanting to feel confident, strong, and your absolute sexiest in your postpartum body? Or maybe you are wanting to crush it during labor and have the birth experience of your dreams. If that's you, then you are in the right place. This is the Fit Mama podcast, and I am your fitness bestie and host, Sarah. I'm a certified prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist, certified Pilates teacher, and certified yoga instructor. I'm also, and more importantly, a certified hot mess mama with a two-year-old toddler boy who always keeps me on my toes and newborn twin girls. In this podcast, I spill all of my best tips and tricks as a personal trainer and as a mother so you can be your most confident and healthiest self. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Fit Mama podcast. I'm joined today by one of my mini-me's and a hot piping cup of coffee. This is my second one today because I've not been getting a lot of sleep recently, which is actually what inspired today's podcast topic. But before I jump in, I do want to go into our question of the week. I got this one a few times over on TikTok, so let's just talk about it. The question was, what can be done during pregnancy to prevent diastasis recti? So first off, if you are new here or you weren't sure, diastasis recti is just referring to abdominal separation. And it is a source of a lot of grief for women because diastasis recti can actually cause some aesthetic and non-aesthetic consequences that are not so savory. So in the aesthetic side of things, diastasis recti can cause a protruding abdomen. um, So the belly sticks out a little bit, which not a lot of us love that look. And then non-aesthetic wise, it can lead to a host of issues. There can be back pain, your organs are less than protected. Uh, It can cause issues with your pelvic floor, incontinence, lots of stuff there. So can we do anything during pregnancy to prevent diastasis recti? Short answer, no, but longer answer, this is important. So with diastasis recti, it will occur in 100% of pregnancies because there is no way that you're going to be able to grow an entire human in your belly without your belly having to expand a little bit. And that's actually why our abs and our abdomen is shaped that way where we don't have just one solid wall of abdominal muscles. We actually have a line of connective tissue right down the middle where that separation can occur during pregnancy. We need the walls of the abdomen to move to the sides so that the belly can make room for baby. So it's going to happen. But I know the heart of this question is, I don't want to deal with it later. So what can I do to make sure I'm not dealing with it in postpartum? Okay, here's where things get a little bit more interesting. With diastasis recti, during pregnancy, you can be very conscious of your bodily movements. So not doing things like really deep twist, um, avoiding crunching movements, those will all help you to prevent diastasis recti, uh, exacerbating the abdominal separation. Also knowing how to lift properly. And I'm not just talking about lifting weights in the gym, but lifting up your older children or laundry baskets or car seats or like literally whatever. If you're lifting something heavy, you both in pregnancy and postpartum should be bracing your core correctly or engaging your core. Someone told me this week that bracing is like a CrossFit term and that it can be confusing. And listen, all respect to you CrossFit people, but like I do not like CrossFit. So 
If that's confusing to you, I am sorry, but you need to be able to protect your core by engaging the core muscles. I hope that that's clear for everyone, whether you do CrossFit or not. Um, anyway, getting back on topic. So yes, you need to be able to engage your core muscles to protect your core as you are lifting. This is especially important during pregnancy and postpartum. So we can do those kinds of things to make sure that we are not allowing that separation to widen more than what is absolutely necessary. Now in the postpartum period, you can also work to bring that naturally back together during those first six weeks when the uterus is shrinking through different breathing techniques, which if you could see me right now, I would show you. But since this is a podcast, you're just going to have to hop over to Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and I post videos there where I give teach and tutorials over that. So that's the comment question of the week. Short answer, long answer. Now let's dive into the topic of today's podcast. Sleep, sleep, sleep. I miss sleeping. I have not slept really well since my first was born uh, nearly three years ago now because he avoids sleep like the plague. Uh, he really doesn't like sleep. And so I've lived most of my motherhood journey with at least one wake up a night. It is pretty usual for him to wake up at least once. And now, of course, I'm up and breastfeeding uh, the twins. So sometimes I'm up like three to four times a night because I'm feeding the twins and I'm up with my toddler. And so I am tired. And this is something I hear from my clients a lot as well, because I'm not alone in this. A lot of us struggle with sleep once we become mothers, and it can be so debilitating, especially when we're trying to train or recover. And there's a lot of confusion about should we be training at all while we're not sleeping? And what about rest? Isn't rest important? And so today I want to answer those questions. First off, yes, rest is important, especially in the beginning of the postpartum period when you are working on truly healing your body. So during that early stage, I would say don't sweat it too much about getting in workouts. I mean, maybe like five minutes or so if you've got the energy for it, but you really need to be focusing on rest more than anything during that time. Of course, I do understand you don't just want to spend the rest of your life like sleeping whenever possible or never getting in a workout again. So there's the question of, what can I do to improve the little sleep that I do get? And when should I choose to rest over working out? So let me address the latter question first, because I think that that one's going to be the shorter answer. And then we'll get into improving sleep quality. So how to decide between working out or resting. When it comes to making this choice, I want you to remember two Fs. The first one is so important. The first F is form. Okay, you need to have immaculate form when you are working out, especially when you are pregnant and after you've had babies. We wanna have good form all the time, right? Because form is what helps us keep our bodies safe. But when you are pregnant and postpartum, your body is in a much more delicate state. And I don't mean that as weak. I mean that as in you have to be extra careful because your body has some limitations on it right now. They're not going to be necessarily forever, but we need to be realistic about the situation as well. When you are pregnant, you're preparing for birth. And this is an extremely athletic event. I have said this a million times, but it's crazy to me that people give birth without training for it. Like it's an hour long athletic event. So I don't know why we would expect it to be easy when we haven't at all trained for it just because we learned some mantras. Like that's so wild to me. You need to train for pregnancy or throughout pregnancy. And then during postpartum, you're healing from pregnancy and childbirth. And so 
the exercises that we do and the form with which we perform those exercises need to be on point. So why does this matter when it comes to sleep? When we are sleepy, we can tend to be clumsy or we can not pay as close of attention as we should be because we're feeling a bit disoriented or our brain is a little foggy, right? And so if you cannot perform the exercises with mental clarity and with the correct attention being given to form, then you don't need to do them at all because you are much more likely to injure yourself and then you can kiss exercising goodbye for at least the immediate future while you work on healing yet another injury. So again, that is our first F. Remember, form is key. Our second F is five minutes. So if you feel like you're mentally out of it, like you're tired mentally and you just really don't want to do the workout that day, I would encourage you to put on a timer for five minutes and just get into it, do something, and then see how you're feeling after the five minutes have ended. A lot of the times that's all we need to kind of kickstart those endorphins, get our bodies going, and then we feel ready to continue the workout. You might find after the five minutes that you still don't want to do it. And in that case, I would say use your best judgment, right? If you've skipped like five days of workouts and you theoretically could get through this one, maybe push through. But if you haven't had a rest day in a little while and you're just not into it, don't worry about it. So those are our general guidelines. Form and five minutes, they're pretty straightforward. So now I wanna jump into a more interesting side of this coin, which is how to naturally improve the little sleep that you are getting. And these tips can be applied to both pregnancy and postpartum. Unfortunately, as I'm sure you've probably already seen, not many medicines are actually approved for pregnancy or for breastfeeding mothers. And the reason for that is because there's simply not enough research to prove that they are safe for mom and baby. Like nobody wants to be the researcher that uses moms and babies as guinea pigs. And so because we don't have the research, they just tell us to forego taking those medicines. I personally am on board with that. Like I don't want to be used as a test subject, but I also want better sleep. So then what remedies do we have? Before I name these, let me just preface this. I am not a medical doctor. Any suggestion you hear from me right now is just my personal opinion from my own research. You should do your own research. You should talk with your doctor. I hope that covers all of my bases. Um, just This is not medical advice, okay? All right, so here are some things that research has shown in my investigation can help with sleep. First off is magnesium. There has been limited research in this area, but what they have found is that magnesium does generally help sleep and they believe this might be because of its effect on the nervous system and calming the nervous system. One study found that supplementing with 500 milligrams of magnesium a day helped older adults who were suffering from insomnia where they were able to fall asleep faster, they remained asleep for longer, it reduced their nighttime wake periods, um, and it generally increased the amount of naturally circulating melatonin that they had in the body. And so some magnesium supplementation can help with sleep. They generally say that you should take your magnesium at night. And if you look this up, you will find that there are lots of magnesium like teas, powders, things like that. As always, you need to run all of that by your doctor if you do want to take that kind of supplement. Now, outside of the world of supplements, there are actually some dietary changes that we can make that are totally natural that have been also shown to help with sleep. So the first couple of suggestions actually have to do with our hormone tryptophan. So tryptophan is a hormone that helps with the production 
of melatonin and serotonin. Now, melatonin you're probably already familiar with. This is our sleepy hormone, right? Like this is what helps us to fall asleep and stay asleep. We have uh, points of the day where this rises and it falls, and these are our cues to go to sleep during the nighttime hours. Serotonin, on the other hand, is a hormone that you might have only ever heard of in terms of like your mood, right? Like serotonin makes you happy. This is true, serotonin does help our mood improve, but it also helps regulate our sleep and our appetite, right? Which these always go hand in hand because when we are short on sleep, it really messes with our appetite. Some people can be ravenously hungry. I am one of those people because I want energy and because I didn't get it through sleep, I'm going to look for it elsewhere in this case, food, right? Other people, when they don't get enough sleep, they tend to just not have any hunger at all. And this just puts them in a vicious cycle of like, they're not getting energy from sleep and they're not getting it from food. And so they have zero energy, period. And then they turn to alternate sources, a lot of the times like energy drinks, um, caffeinated beverages, that sort of thing. So again, here, the question is, how do we naturally increase tryptophan, which will increase our melatonin and our serotonin? Tryptophan is actually found in two foods that I find really interesting. The first one is turkey. So if you're one of these people who always needs a nap after Thanksgiving lunch or dinner, uh, you can thank your turkey for it. You can thank the tryptophan in turkey. The second place where you can find tryptophan is in tart cherry juice. 100 grams of tart cherries contains about 9 milligrams of tryptophan. And so in case you don't want to eat like handfuls and handfuls of whole cherries, you can actually just get the tryptophan from the juice itself. Usually like a glass at bedtime is what's recommended. But you know, in case turkey or tart cherry juice isn't really your thing, there are other ways that you can improve your sleep. One of them being vitamin D. Vitamin D is so overlooked in the wellness space because it seems like such an obvious thing. Like, yeah, you should be having your vitamins. But 42% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. That is a huge number. That means you can look basically at anyone around you and they're probably going to be deficient in vitamin D or you yourself are deficient in vitamin D. So some signs that you might be deficient include things like joint pain, uh, fatigue, hair loss, you might have some muscle weakness, big mood changes. Interestingly enough, all of these uh, symptoms can also be linked to lack of sleep or stress. And so what can we do to increase our vitamin D? The first one, you probably already know, you can go outside into the sunshine. That is a great way to increase your vitamin D. And thankfully, you don't have to lay out for hours like I used to do as a teenager trying to get a tan. You don't need to slather on the baby oil and just sit out there and bake. It actually takes like eight to 10 minutes around noon to get the recommended amount of vitamin D in the spring and in the summer. So don't feel like you've, like I said, gotta go out there and burn your skin. Just get outside for a little bit, maybe take advantage to get a little walk out. Um, but there are also some food sources of vitamin D that I do want to mention specifically fatty fish. So when I say fatty fish, I'm referring to things like salmon, tuna, trout, mackerel, mackerel, mackerel. Uh, these are all very healthy fish. Uh, you do want to watch out for levels of mercury in your tuna. You do need to be aware of your fish intake when you are pregnant, of course. However, incorporating these 
fatty fish in recommended quantities can be very, very helpful because like I said, not only are they healthy protein sources, but they also are great sources of vitamin D, which will help your sleep. The last two things can be incorporated into your nighttime routine, and they are two different types of teas, which I used to look at this stuff and think it was kind of woo-woo or silly, like I saw the nighttime teas and really didn't think there was much to it. But there is now some research that backs these up, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. For my tea drinkers, chamomile tea contains apigenin. This is an antioxidant that binds to receptors in the brain, and these receptors will help promote sleepiness and reduce insomnia. They also found in some studies that chamomile drinkers present less symptoms of depression. Hear me when I say I am not promising that chamomile tea will cure your postpartum depression or your prenatal depression. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you have symptoms of depression, this tea has been shown in some limited studies to be helpful in that area. It is, however, always recommended by me to go seek professional help if you are struggling with depression. There is no shame in seeking professional help. Like it does not make you a bad mother or mean that you don't love your children. It just means that maybe you have some chemical stuff going on that you can address. You would never tell someone with like a broken leg, you know, you just need to get out more or, but you have another leg that you should be so thankful for. Like, no, that would be stupid. They would get medical attention as they should. And if you are struggling with something like depression, then get medical attention. There's no shame in that. Okay, that's my soapbox for the day. Now let's finish off these natural remedies with our final tea. This one is passion flower tea. And this also speaks to that mental health piece of sleep and lack of quality sleep because passion flower tea has been found in some studies to help with anxiety. So if you are struggling with anxiety and it's keeping you awake at night, maybe you're like me and you wake up and you're just like, where's my passport? And then you have to go find it right that second. That would be anxiety and there are things that we can do about it. But this tea is one natural way that might help you to reduce those symptoms. So since this podcast was a little scattered, I was chopping and cutting a lot because my twins were a little noisy. I'm just going to give a quick recap of all of the recommendations, okay? First, when you're deciding between exercise and sleep, you need to remember the two Fs, form and five minutes. And in terms of natural remedies for improving your sleep quality, we have magnesium. We want to increase our tryptophan, so you can do that through tart cherry juice or turkey. There's fatty fish. You can spend eight to 10 minutes outside in the sunlight, or you can drink a couple of teas like chamomile or passion flower tea. Those are today's tips, all rounded up nicely, packaged and with a bow on top. If you have any other things that help you improve your sleep quality, I would be really interested to hear that. And uh, you can always connect with me through social media. If you aren't already, you can follow me over on Instagram and TikTok. My handle on both of those platforms is sarahkelly.co. That's Sarah with an H, Kelly with an E-Y dot C-O. Until the next podcast, I hope you enjoy your coffee, reheat it if you need to, and yeah, I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys.